Sony's taking over the biggest fighting game tournament in the world. But what does that mean? Adventurers, gear up for an all-new episode. Greetings, adventurer, and welcome to the Surly Nerd. Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the show. We are the Surly Nerd, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week is our producer, Tony. Yarp. And Hector is sadly out this week due to work obligations, but he is with us in spirit and may pop into chat at some point. This week on the show, after the news, we're going to talk about Sony's acquisition of the Evolution Fighting Game Tournament with a very, very special guest. So stick around for that. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash thesurlynerd, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. With all that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, adventurers of all ages, it's time for The Prelude. Prelude. All right, this is The Prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time. Uh, Tony, let me know what you've been doing. Um, I wanted to talk about one of the YouTube channels that I really enjoy watching. Okay. Um, it's called uh, Strange Brain Parts. Okay. Um, they do this, I guess their actual channel is called Overlord Comics. Mm-hmm. And this guy explains the history of characters or specifically entire like companies and characters or character arcs. And it's just insanely detailed stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he recently put out a video about Grendel, a story that I know nothing about one of the coolest looking characters in all of comics history that i know absolutely nothing about i still <clears throat> know nothing about <laughs> <laughs> even after watching an entire video about it, it doesn't sound like a very okay, educational so channel my understanding of grendel I, I literally my note says which i still have no fucking clue about mm. like it's i don't understand this shit like yeah. grendel is so confusing it's yeah a ninja but it's a virus mm-hmm. that also is other people and manipulates the world to make the world its slave slash make it better based off the myth of Grendel from the poem. Okay. Yeah. Sure. This is and this based, is all very abstract. And, yeah, no, this is very confusing, and he explains this over forty five minutes, and I loved it. And I went, I, I have no fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> Either way, I love everything he's put out. He's got does some great videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grendel one, if anybody can try to explain it better than he did, good fucking luck. But also, <laughs> I still don't get it. Um, maybe I could try to read all way too many of those issues. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is I've been watching Riverdale. Mm-hmm. It's the been, new season. Yeah, the new season of Riverdale. They are now in the grown-up years right all right people have they've aged up the characters because well it's really hard to get 30 something year olds to look (laughs) like they're 18 endlessly right i agree Uh, i agree which brings up the thing one of the problems with the show had initially that we didn't really address because it's something i would just kind of it honestly just went over my head um is the sexualization of teenagers through having 20 to 30 something year olds playing them, but right. then the dance moves and the outfits that they can present because the actors and actresses are of whatever age. Sure. They can. So what you're, look, what you're, what you're speaking specifically to is that Riverdale and in, in its inception, yeah, hyper, hyper sexualized teenagers because mm-hmm. they could do it because they had adults playing those characters. Yeah. Which they're not the first or last show to ever do Absolutely that. not. I mean, I mean, but shows like... one of the things that we got away from whenever they aged up the characters. Like, oh, you can still have crazy dance numbers and all this stuff, but, you know, 
they can all drink now. So you right. don't have to be like, oh, we're going to have this shandy thing. You're like, no, they can have beer. Right. Like you, it's, they're adults now. It makes sense. They can, mm. they can d- behave however they want. Sure. Yeah, you can, I get that. You can sexualize adults more than you, more than you ever should sexualize. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you. Teenagers. I agree with you. Um, the, the problem that I have, it lasted up until like the most recent episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's like one tonight, but whenever this airs, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're back in high school and there's the cheerleader team again and so Riverdale just reset itself yeah, it just, back it just time. reset itself back and I was like ah, you got so close for like three episodes I felt like you didn't sexualize teenagers mm. And then you went and did it. Like, I mean, a, sure. they got a three I, episode. I, I would say that most people's problem with Riverdale is that the writing went really south really fast. But, you know. Oh, man. There's a lot of issues with Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one of them. Um, let's see here. Uh, my list is pretty short this week. Uh, let's see here. I watched the documentary The Last Blockbuster last night. Yeah. How, how is that? I, I, I it is... saw that there's a... Um... Uh, an old director on the, the cover. Of that yeah. There's, there's a ton of famous people that are on it. Um, it's a lot of fun. It is really about, uh, again, it is about the last blockbuster that currently existed as of time of the videos released is mm. still existing. Um, a lot of famous people are on it. Um, and a lot of it's just memories. It's a lot of people talking about the memory of what it was like to go to Blockbuster and what the experience was like. Not so much. It is centered around the last Blockbuster, but it's more about what Blockbuster meant as an entity and the rise and fall of the company. Do you, they bring up the idea of video stores in general being gone or just specific, they do, specifically they, they, they do talk about video stores in general yeah. being gone. What caused that? Why Blockbuster became as big as it was. Um, they go into the myth that Netflix is the thing that killed Blockbuster. They're like, it's not, that's the, what there's, you, there's a lot of factors that, killed right. There was like, there was like a lot of factors that went into this. Most of them were financial. Actually, yeah. that's actually what killed Blockbuster. There's a reason why they, you know, had to fire Dude, Hollywood video put some fucking dents in there at the end. Oh yeah. They, they were, were absolutely doing tooth it. and nail. Um, so that's excellent. That's on Netflix. Highly recommended. Um, I'm going to save this one for next week, but me, you and Hector all watched coming to America. Yes. Let's wait till Hector's here to discuss that one. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that I did basically my entire week was, and I very rarely buy new games. Like I usually wait till they go on sale and maybe it's just this part of my brain that doesn't want to treat myself. Um, but persona five strikers came out mm-hmm. and that is a game that I wanted to treat myself to. Uh, I did buy it. It is the sequel to Persona 5, uh, specifically Persona 5, not Persona 5 Royal. Um, it is. Does inst- that mean it's going to be like a Strikers Royal? Who knows at this point? I don't know um, how Persona works. But there is. Ab- Aside from you, yell it. Yes, you yell Persona <laughs> a lot. And it is a. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, the technical term for it. It's called like a Mushin Fighter. It's what the it's the actual category for what the Dynasty Warrior games are called. Oh, there is yes, an actual yes, term for a, it. I think yeah, it's Mushin I, Fighter, and it's I basically heard that in like years. Yeah, and so the, the <laughs> Muso Fighter. Thank you, Rucklin. Muso Fighter, and it's that um, you're playing a character and you're surrounded by hundreds of enemies and you just plow through them. And but it, unlike a Dynasty Warriors game where I get bored very easily because you're just like press square to kill enemy. Um, it is a persona game. You tag in and out. You have personas. You evolve those personas. You do persona combinations. All of these things happen um, in real time. Uh, the only pauses that you get is like when you're selecting your persona in the middle of the fight or using a certain kind of attack. Um, I actually would hearken Persona 5 Strikers less 
to a Dynasty Warrior style game and more of a Devil May Cry experience. It doesn't have that Devil May Cry really deep combat mechanics where you have a million combinations, but the first boss of Persona... Dynasty must cry. Yeah, like a Persona 5 Strikers, the first boss, normally you would think, oh, this is the first boss. He's really easy. I'm going to take him down, no problem. I've been playing for five hours at this mm-hmm. point. No, that first boss in Persona 5 Strikers is a DPS check. That is saying, have you learned the mechanics of this game? If you have not learned the mechanics of this game, you will not proceed past this point. It is a brutal fight, and it's one that took me a couple hours the first time I did it, then I paused, went to bed, came back, grinded for like 30 minutes, which isn't at all like grinding in an RPG because you're just it's an action game I grinded for 30 minutes made some new personas went back into the fight with the knowledge that I have and I just wiped the floor with it it is just a game that it's like Dark Souls in that way if you Mm. know the mechanics you got it you're good to go Um, I absolutely do highly recommend it Um, looking at watching it to play some of it it, comparing the two games mm. it looks better than Persona 5. Yeah, it, well, so it seems to definitely have a higher frame rate just because it's an action game. Um, I will say that I, I talked to Hector outside of the show about this. He's like, I really want to play this, but like, I haven't played Persona 5. Um, my recommendation, because it's such a vastly different type of game, he doesn't really get into the, the turn-based RPGs. Mm-hmm. Go online, watch a video essay about it. Like somebody's 30-minute, like, yeah. let's tell you about the story of Persona 5. It's not going to have the emotional impact that like playing the game would because yeah. holy shit, that Persona 5 will make you fucking cry. There's also like a th- Three hours, somebody break down a Persona Five, right. so you can get the emotional you can, impact you can, that. You can get that, but <laughs> if you just want to play a good action game that feels very Kingdom Hearts adjacent, mm-hmm. but your players actually heal you, this is the game that you want to play. Um, so yeah, highly, highly recommended. It also does is has absolutely been scratching that Kingdom Hearts itch. That's what without players kind of like ah. without the confused continuity of Kingdom Hearts. It's like. This is Persona. We're here to save the world. We're on a road trip with friends. That's the plot of Persona 5 Strikers. That is it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> straightforward to the point. Highly recommend. Seriously, Persona 5 Strikers is one of the be- best games I've played all year. So um, you're missing that, that, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 let you down. Right. This is Persona 5 Strikers. Per- Persona 5 Strikers. Okay, cool. Absolutely. All right. That's everything we have for the prelude this week. We're going to take a small break. When we come back, we'll be going into our main news segment in the weekly raid. Weekly Raid. Hey, adventurers, welcome back to the show. This is the Weekly Raid, our news roundup for the week. And starting things off this week, we're going to talk a little bit about Sony. And that is that Sony is going to be giving away next month Horizon Zero Dawn, the complete collection, and nine indie titles as part of their stay at home incentive to keep folks at home during the pandemic. Nice. That's fuck yeah. That's that's a great game. If you have plus- not played Horizon Zero Dawn, this is the opportunity to absolutely pick it up and play it. It is an amazing... Are they giving away for free on PC? Uh, no. As far as I know, this is a oh. PS4 initiative. Oh. Yeah, so... I'm not as happy anymore now. There's a there's a PS4 in the house. <laughs> and it already has Horizon Zero <laughs> Dawn on it. It already has Horizon Zero Dawn on it. <laughs> so be happy it's for... Not, that has not increased my ability or want to play the game. Be, be happy for everybody else. There's also nine indie titles. Maybe you'll like one of those. Yeah. And you also already stay home all the time. The program is not for you. 
The program is for I also everybody really else. Like Xbox Live. <laughs> That's true, and we'll talk about we'll that talk later. About later, yeah. yeah. There's lots of things to talk about for Xbox uh, Sony Game Pass. Announced a bunch of stuff. It was all a over the place. crazy week for Sony. Of course, we are going to be talking about the uh, amazing, in air quotes, pickup of the uh, Evo Fighting Game tournament a little bit later in the show. But they also announced uh, their new PSVR. Um, PS5 controller they're coming out with mm-hmm. because we do know that a new uh, PSVR is in the works. They say it's, it's probably a couple of years from being launched. They want to actually improve the technology, just not shit out hardware. But they showed off the controller today and it's going to be pretty cool because it's going to have things like uh, adaptive trigger uh, triggers to it, haptic feedback, uh, finger touch detection. Um, they're moving away from this ice cream style of controller that they had in the past. They've got this really sleek like orb shape that's supposed to feel like more natural to playing games in a VR space. When I first saw the pictures of it, I'm like, that looks weird. And then I talked about it with Hector for a little bit. He's like, no, it makes sense, though, because like having this plastic extension that goes outwards means like that's a barrier between like you and a wall or something like that. Yeah, it you allows to, you to. Yeah, if you look at um, the handsets from everybody else the, mm-hmm. the the valve and everybody they always have something that comes around the front of your hand around yeah. your knuckles whereas with the ice cream cones you held it out in front of you and it gave you a little bit of a bumper yeah the it's a different design whenever you have like your hands literally inside of a little cage to where you're yeah. gonna like protect yourself in case of but i mean but I the, 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 all the shit they're putting on this like, i know right crazy the, see these <laughs> are the things these are the improvements in technology for vr that we've been talking about that we've been needing for the mm-hmm. last few years when we talk about things like haptic feedback we talk about things like um, these adaptive triggers these are all things that are now in the ps5 controller that they're bringing to the vr space these could be the moves that could really bring PSVR into its own and make it a must buy. Yeah. You put some good applications on top of this, it's it's a it's a no-brainer at that point. At this point, yeah, it it really is a product that I am looking forward to seeing what they're going to come out with like game-wise mm-hmm. and price-wise. Price-wise is definitely by the thing. time this comes out, we'll actually maybe be able to actually get a PS5. Yeah, maybe. I mean, literally, no, legit. Like, that's not a like far-fetched idea. This is a couple of years away. Mm-hmm. We might not be able to get a PS5 for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a completely <laughs> rough ride out there to get one. Trust me, I've been looking. It is tough. Uh, let's see here. Fede Alvarez opened up uh, this week about his upcoming Texas Chainsaw movie. Um, he's saying that this project is going to be a direct sequel to the original film, but it will take place many years afterwards. Uh, he says you should think of it as an old man Leatherface film. Uh, he also went on to say that when it comes to the movie's FX, everything is classic, what he's calling old school gags, the way that he approached his Evil Dead remake. He doesn't want to go into VFX. Yeah. Like that yeah, was a no, big it, thing. I mean, if you go obviously, if you're doing, if you're remaking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or making a sequel to it, mm-hmm. you have to go with practical effects. And yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to this. Maybe because, I mean, with the news of the more Evil Dead bullshit that's being made, mm-hmm. um, I just, I'm really happy that he's getting to work on a property that is similar, mm-hmm. but also well, and, 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 and honestly, it, for longtime listeners of the podcast, you know that the Evil Dead remake is one of my favorite horror films of all time. It is a horror film that actually has managed to make me cry, that he constructed a scene in that Evil Dead remake that is so sad that it brought tears to my fucking eyes. 
I mean, after they'd already like stabbed needles in them, yeah, they did yeah, that, that, that too. Yeah, that, that, that was that was really not, not that was okay. not the part that brought tears to my. Or if it did, it was a different type I, of I tears. I love the way you're in that because I have a thing with eyes and fingernails, and it has yeah. both of those in there. It does absolutely. But oh, I love that movie. But he, there's so much love and care that he brought to Evil Dead. That honestly, I just wish they would give him the reins to Evil Dead at this point. The way you but, said this for Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like old man Leatherface, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, it's there's always the like old man Logan. It's secretly a Western thing, and I'm like, what well, if you did old man Leatherface? I'm like, it's secretly a romantic comedy. Oh God, like, I I think that that's where he's gonna go with it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure we've already seen that one in one of, one of the more modern Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, films. this is like the third time it's been a direct sequel to the original. Honestly, it really has. There's been so many fucking sequels still. That's a really interesting Hollywood trend right now. Not just with, with, you know, Texas Chainsaw, but with horror movies in general. We're getting, we got the most recent Halloween movies. And those Mm -hmm. were said, hey guys, this is a sequel to the original Halloween movies. All of a sudden we're just kind of retconning like 20 years of like horror and being like, no, I'm the new director and I'm stepping in and saying, this is a direct sequel to John Carpenter's The Thing. And we're like, but we already had five. Or whenever the director comes back after they've fucked up their entire storyline and says, like, you know what? I'm going to reset this by doing <coughs> a prequel thing. Ridley Scott. <clears throat> I'm I'm not mentioning any names of anyone who's done that. I think there's about to be a third movie in that oh, installment, God, by the way. Ridley, Ridley Scott, will you leave Aliens Ridley, alone? Stop. Just, Ridley, hashtag Ridley, stop. Just please leave <laughs> Aliens alone. Just leave them alone. <laughs> It was so what good. What did H.R. Geiger do to you? Right. What did H.R. Geiger fucking do to you that you wanted to go and fucking ruin his amazing creation? Oh, oh, so God. many penises you got rid of. <laughs> Why did you get rid of all the penises, Ridley Scott? We're ashamed. But if if I would trust anybody to go back and be that person that says, I'm going to go and do a direct sequel to one of the original, God, classic horror films of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would be Feta Alvarez. Again, his Evil Dead movie so fucking good. I was watching a, a video about Leatherface just before um, we sat down to record the show. And one of the things that I t- noted, because it's been so long since I've seen the original Texas Chainsaw, is I was watching the shots. And recently, I've played Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. And shot for fucking shot, they took that straight from Texas Chainsaw. And I was like, there's the dinner table. Oh my God. And I realized that other people have made this comparison before, yeah. but like it was my first time realizing. Yeah. This. Whenever it dawns on you, you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh shit, that's the thing that they, I mean, like we, we, we knew that the <laughs> yeah. Resident Evil 7 was loosely based on Texas Chainsaw because it's, you know, redneck hillbillies in Louisiana or whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just slightly at the state yeah, we over. Just put it to, <laughs> we just put it to the next state. We put some gators in there and that's what we did. But I, I, it was never in my conscious mind when I was playing Resident Evil 7 except for like the obvious I'm running around with the chainsaw scenes. But then seeing those shot for shots being at the dinner table and all that where the directors of Resident Evil really made took the time to say, okay, how was this shot in Texas Chainsaw? I'm like, let's replicate that. They, they did that but then they made it moist. And then they put it in VR. Yeah, and in it's VR, moist, moist it's VR. Moist VR, which it's Texas Chainsaw. Which is moist what Sony's next VR. product is going to be, I think. I think Sony's next product is Honestly, Moist VR. Moist VR is going to be a product at some point, and it's going to make a fuckload of money. <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, so there are definitely a lot of people that are looking forward to that day, but let's keep the horror train rolling. Also in the world of horror, Showtime has ordered a pilot for a series based on the Swedish film Let the Right One In. Uh, the story is about a father taking care of his 12-year-old vampire daughter, which sounds really silly saying it out loud. 
But seriously, this is one of the best horror films I've ever seen. Both the Swedish version and the American remake actually are both really good. Um, I watched the two back to back originally when I saw them. Um, the showrunners did come out and said that they come, they came out this week and said like the show is going to be uh, a love letter to the original movie, uh, but obviously making it into a show we have to kind of have a story all of our own because mm-hmm. it's a very self contained story. Yeah, we really like it whenever TV shows just repeat repeat the movie that they're based on. It's really fun. Let's not do that. Let's not. Do obviously that. not doing that. Yeah, they're not doing that. <laughs> and I mean, th- this can be for better or worse, right? Because mm-hmm. honestly, I loved Bates Motel. Like Bates Motel, solid. Like ten out of ten. Had can a lot they hit a turkey? Because the original movie is amazing. Yeah. This the remake is amazing. I equally as good, mm-hmm. which is very hard to say whenever it's remade for American audiences. Yeah. They made some very minor <laughs> changes of this will probably make Americans uncomfortable, so let's slightly alter this. Yeah, but it was for just, the most it part, was so my it was important to some people, but not yeah. enough to me. Yeah. Uh, in this case, can they do it a third time or can this property be treated this way a third time? And mm-hmm. I, I said make a turkey because bowling you mean three in a row. Like I'm I, glad I that you explained the reference. I was like, why are we yeah, bringing turkeys into get, this? Get three, yeah, it's three in a row. It's a turkey. I appreciate you explaining that to me. Ah, yes. Excellent. I didn't. Ha- I couldn't. Just like they don't want to go to strikes because they're <laughs> good, not because they've already got good, is right because three what strikes. Sports is, reference. I right? don't. You no, can't. You do I know strikes. bowling sports references. Good. But you don't know baseball references. Is it a home run? Because at this point, they'll have the bases loaded if it's like they just keep hitting base shots and then they have to hit like a home, like a grand And see, now that we're talking about let the right one in and we're talking about vampires, now we're talking about baseball. Now it's all coming back to Twilight somehow and there's like some vampire baseball scene, which is honestly the only thing. Patrick has a great video out this week about baseball being the greatest movie sport of uh, all time, which he negated boxing, which has actually more films. Mm -hmm. But because it's a single person, you tell singular stories, it's way easier to tell those types of stories. Mm-hmm. So they can't be as a sports film. He counts it as a team thing. Either way, baseball wins, and he brings up the Twilight scene and how... That's literally the only thing I know from Twilight, is that there is a baseball scene with vampires. Yeah, watch it. It's weird. I, I've watched <laughs> it once, and I think I watched the like MST3K version, where they just like... Or, or Master Pancake, or whatever version of it. Yeah. So, but it's been thoroughly blocked from my head and I've definitely drank a lot when I watched it. So I can never get past the second movie. I will not be taking your twilight recommendations at this time. Okay. So we have talked a little bit on the show about the controversial Taiwanese horror game devotion. Uh, quick summary, just to catch everybody up. Devotion is a first person horror game set in the 1980s in Taiwan. Uh, it covers subjects like religion and politics, Uh, Also, economic standing for the particular family in question. Uh, Inside the game, there was a reference to China's president, who, if you didn't know, has had Winnie the Pooh memes made about him. And apparently having memes made about you in China is enough to get Winnie the Pooh banned off of the internet in China. Yes, Winnie the Pooh is not uh, available. Yeah, Um, anything Winnie the Pooh reference in in China is blocked, essentially. mm -hmm. It's a weird freaking story. Like, I promise you, this rabbit hole goes even deeper. Which is odd, because you can go to Disney places in China that have Winnie the Pooh. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's still allowed there. Yeah. But not in... Not, not on the internet Not on all. the internet. Not, you, the president had a meme made about him, and so he blocked Winnie the Pooh from the internet. 
Yeah. Wow. He's a- just like how petulant. <laughs> it's fucking petulant. But China. But this game had this reference, this Winnie the Pooh to the president of China reference in it, and this game got the fuck banned out of China. Um, the Devotion was originally going to be released on Steam, but was quickly pulled. And now, what I do want to specify. This is purely rumor and speculation, the next sentence I'm about to say. But general consensus is it's because Devotion was going to go live on Steam. China, Steam is available in China. And basically China said, if you put that game on your platform, we will block your platform from China. This yeah. is rumor and speculation, right? I just want to point that out. China is a petulant child. China but, is literally known to have... What they did with the fucking NBA. Like, oh my God, China has their head up their fucking ass. Right. They are literally a petulant child. So all of this lead up and explanation was to tell you that Red Candle Games, the developer of Devotion, now has a shop that you can go online and you can buy a DRM free copy of the game. Nice. Fuck the censors. This is an independent developer that made this. There's like a guy who basically made Mm -hmm. this game. Please, 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 if you ever want to play a, a, a foreign horror game, look up Red Candle Games, go buy this game, fuck the censors, support this developer, because the hell that they have been through in the last two years just trying to get this game put out there, like, people actually legitimately bought this game on Steam. I'm and pretty sure good old games would be like, hey guys, you want to come over here on our DRM free? Just- we'll see, but the thing is that <laughs> if Steam already pulled it, would good old games be willing to take that risk available in China. Yeah. We don't know. So it's just one of those things where we look at the the history of this company and this developer who's worked so hard to have their passion project brought to life, shut down by the government because there was a meme in there. And all they're saying is I want to tell this story about my country during a certain period of strife. And it's a horror first person fucking horror game. Like, holy fucking shit. This, this checks all of my boxes. I am going to buy this game. They could have mentioned Tibet and like one thing of it and got it banned in China. Oh yeah. Like that's, I understand. No, I I completely understand that. But yes, red candle games, just do a Google search for them. They have their own storefront up right now. DRM free. Do give them money because man, does he fucking deserve it for everything that he's I been? I just need to go check the system requirements at this point. I'm like, I, I just really want to play a good horror game. Yeah, and unfortunately, the one I want to play, I can't. So. <laughs> Shill out your Biden bucks, pick up a copy of it. Like, yeah. don't even wait for it to go on sale. Seriously, support this indie developer because they absolutely deserve it for the hell that they've been going through. And also, fuck the censors. But in happier news. If you're still on the fence about getting an Xbox Live Game Pass and have a PC, maybe this will help. Uh, As of today, EA Play was added to Xbox Game Pass, adding about 60 games to the platform. Like all the games that were like on, they added those to the 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 console. Right on the console, you had the EA Game Pass uh, add-on right before I think the 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 holiday season. Yeah, I played Jedi Fallen Order just before the holidays and. I was really jealous because like I didn't really want to play that those games like games was like oh there's all these cool games that are coming from EA that like I finally can now not like justify playing because I've already paid Microsoft and I don't have to pay EA they have to and that justifies That was our the, pro- biggest problem with EA game yeah. the EA pass was like <laughs> I want to play those games I don't want to pay fucking EA Yeah they gave me my they gave me the loophole this is Yeah this is the, this is the Catholic schoolgirl uh, loophole of gaming for me right now. So 
I now get to play. So this is the, it's, you don't lose your virginity if it's anal. Yeah. 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 It's God doesn't look there because it's dirty. <laughs> That's such a great analogy for EA. I'm sorry. I should not be laughing this hard and not talking during EA, a podcast. God doesn't look there because it's dirty. <laughs> That is a new fucking tagline. I love that. Not because sports. (laughs) Not because sports whatsoever. Just doesn't look there because it's dirty. So yeah, starting today, you can play a whole bunch of really great games. Some recommendations are actually two Star Wars games, which is uh, Jedi Fallen Order and Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah, Star which Wars I've been Squadrons. wanting to play. Squad really wanting to play Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah, I've been super stoked to play Squadrons. So my sister had a, has a VR headset that. If I had the ability, if had I known, I'd have been like, okay, I'm buying this game, bringing my computer, let me just use the headset to play this fucking game. I really want to feel like I'm flying a fucking TIE fighter. Uh, no, right? Like, I played so much X-Wing versus TIE fighter when I was younger. Honestly, there was uh, originally an X-Wing game, there was a TIE fighter game, and then they made X-Wing versus TIE fighter. And actually, the TIE fighter PC game, I was obsessed with. I was a big Empire guy when I was little... And they made a really compelling story for the Empire that you were like part of the Emperor's like secret guard and mm-hmm. you were like looking for traitors so you would actually be fighting other TIE pilots and stuff. Very, very fascinating. I remember one of the really cool things about it was you you had a rank, but because you were a secret soldier, you couldn't wear your rank like on your lapel. So they had like a in-game like arm that you could like pull down your sleeve and like every so like often you could mm-hmm. check it in your rank. You would get like a tattoo to show like your Emperor's Sweet. rank. Yeah, it was a very fast. I was a giant Star Wars nerd. I just <laughs> It was the most fun I could ever have. And I've always wanted to be one of those people that could own a setup that was like, oh, I want the giant battle station with like a bunch of joysticks and all these things. But ultimately, I spent all that money on Mac joysticks and <laughs> never yeah. got around to it for a flight stick. I go with the life happens. Yeah. And... I got to pick between TIE Fighters or Max, And I was like, yeah. Max, obviously, <laughs> I'm an anime nerd. Let me buy a $200 freaking xbox you know side choice. tangent off of that i went back and watched uh, iron man 2 last night okay that's a that's a weird stretch no because if you go back and watch the final battle sequence between the drones mm-hmm. and war machine and uh uh iron man mm-hmm. it is the such an anime shot like specifically <laughs> with the bridge and the sparkles and the flower things falling and it's just it's literally giant mechs destroying each other inside of like there's a nothing wrong and that appeals to my I, inner like I, was, I didn't realize it the first time i watched it, or maybe it's been so long because when yeah. was the last time you watched fire man 2 uh probably it's as long as it's been since i've watched anime okay so that was my uh <laughs> i got sidetracked by mechs yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> so rounding out the news this week uh or no actually before we get to blizzard i have one really weird bit of news Before to talk about um in weird ass news for the week a game modder figured out a way to fix gta online's extremely long load times rockstar paid the modder 10k to implement his code into the game cool like that's like the most wholesome thing that's ever yeah. been said about Rockstar. I mean, also by the way, if you don't know, Rockstar donates a lot of money. Yeah. Like they they donate to a lot of charities. They I mean, there is a lot that Rockstar does with the enormous and I do mean enormous amount of money that they make. But they do give back a lot. Yeah. See, that's the thing is I when I heard this, I was like, "Oh god, it's 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 GTA Online." Which we I make hate, f- I make fun of it, make fun but of it. I can't go, "Oh, dead game, dead game. Why are you making load screen fast?" Because it's not a because it game. makes millions it of makes, dollars. It makes there's a reason why they just make that one game. It's the same reason Bungie makes Destiny. 
I had it to makes a lot of fucking money yeah, making one. I, I, I spent two hours the other day explaining to somebody. I mean, minus the cowboy game. There. I spent two hours the other day explaining to somebody that role playing in GTA online is actually a thing that people do. Yeah. And that they spend like, it's almost like second life. Dude, there was a newsfeed thing that came up that I refused to click on was like, dude got in trouble for like, uh, out of game knowledge in his GTA five Twitch live stream. He, that's the, yeah. le- like, Oh my God. I didn't realize that GTA online was you, this big of a deal. Yeah, No, I was like, why is this in my newsfeed? First off, <laughs> I have, this is not part of any of my interests. Secondly, I am interested, but I cannot bring myself to click it. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm intrigued, but I don't want it's this. It's going to fuck up my algorithm. Yeah, dude. I just don't want that to happen. Yeah, dude, Google knows about me and they tested me. They tested but, me. But good on you, Rockstar. Like, seriously, the fact that you just like, you threw money at the problem. Like, that's great. Like, oh, this modder, fig- modder figured out how to do it. that's a good going rate for how much time and effort it's I, I hope it I was, too. Brooklyn in chat says that he should have bartered for more, but like, uh, I don't know. I think he was kind of was giving it to him. He's like... They probably just I reached out to I fixed your them. game for you. Yeah. And they went good, which isn't unheard of. I mean, a lot of yep. um, bug finders in other games find things and then report them back to mm-hmm. the developers. Uh, I'm just going to bring this around to Bungie for one second on it. Yeah, sure. Because there was a game-breaking bug that a well-known person on the internet who shows game-breaking bugs and goes like, here's how to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Unf- the game-breaking bug, unfortunately, was... If you do one very simple action with two people, it crashes the game. Mm-hmm. Like, not ends, freezes, literally crashes the fucking game for no reason. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy to pull off, it would just make playing the game impossible. Right. So they refused to tell anybody, but they let Bungie know, hey, by the way, here's this bug. And then they made a video, like, released it minutes after a patch note came through. And everybody's like, what the fuck is this patch note causing thing game-breaking bug that everybody was confused on Mm. went on YouTube and went you've been hiding that shit for like three months (laughs) and no one else has figured it out right and it took him that long to fix fix it Mm -hmm. I I think that's awesome whenever you get the community to get involved like this and especially Mm -hmm. like I said I can't call GTA 5 a dead game it's not it has a huge active community of people who want to do things like make it not suck the load times, but also spend eight hours working in their virtual burger King because, okay, that's, that's their hobby within a hobby. Yeah. It's deep, man. It goes, it goes, it goes, it goes goes in weird places. I just like the coding guy's story. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into the, Oh God. (sighs) Rounding out the news this week. Let's talk about blizzard, a phrase that I am starting to feel way less comfortable saying every week. It's like they're slowly killing us with time, making us just like colder and yeah, like a blizzard. I see, just I see, I see where you're going. With this. Just long winters. Blizzard here. has <laughs> reportedly laid off dozens of people within the whole company. Uh, it was it was stated that the employees that were laid off uh, will receive 90 days of severance pay, uh, will have health care benefits for a year, uh, along with a $200 BattleNet gift card. Just let that one sink in for a second. You know, I need to get some skins. Yeah, you just got laid off from your company, and they just, uh, here's $200 for our online store. At that point, he would be like, here's literally access to everything in every one of our games. Sorry. Yeah, you'd think that. <laughs> no. A majority of the people that were laid off were in the, quote, live events department. These mm-hmm. were people who helped to put on things like BlizzCon. And there was part of my rational brain that goes, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic. We don't know when we'll be able to do another BlizzCon. If you need to trim the fat somewhere, it makes complete sense. And that's not even counting the people that 
don't directly work for Blizzard, that Blizzard hires another company right. and they do aspects of that right. or the artists that make the things sure. or the printing companies. I mean, the pandemic hit everybody or is still hitting everyone. Oh, yeah, I said that word, so we got demonetized on. <laughs> right. <We're> not... <laughs> um, but the thing about it is that when we say like, oh, well, it kind of makes sense, right? If you need to trim the fat during the pandemic, obviously live events, that's a definitely a department you would want to trim the fat from. But on the back end of being all these people being laid off, Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick is going to uh, earn about a $200 million bonus package this year. Now, if you have been a longtime listener to the show, you'll remember that about exactly this time last year, we discussed something very similar to this. Yep. In fact, we talked about last year how investors in the company were angry at the fact that he got such a big payout when so many people were being laid off. And a year later... Here we are. With the pandemic. And we're doing the exact, it's literally copy paste of what they did last year. I'm just, they laid people off and he got his bonus. Mega guillotine. Just <laughs> it's easy to line up. You get up, get mocked. Ah, just Think about this though. What? It's the investors, the people that are making money off of yeah. Activision Blizzard are, are saying like, please, 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 please stop paying your CEO so much. And we pay really your want your employees. employees to have that money. This guy's getting too much. The, you know, the only way they can get that passed, though, is getting the investors that have way more shares mm -hmm. also mad. And the only way they're going to get mad is if their revenue gets fucked with. And the only way to get the yeah. revenues fucked with is if people do something. Like not buy their do stuff. do something, maybe don't buy their fucking games and i hate to do this i hate to say this just just don't buy overwatch too like there should just be a like we as a community of people who want things to change yeah. should just like the problem is that there's a the... lot of so so i see where we're coming from with this but there's also a big aspect to this which is there is a big microtransaction uh, underpinning here mm -hmm. where their microtransactions are part of the issue right mm -hmm. i mean when we heard about things like the diablo mobile game the first question everybody asked was how what are the microtransactions going to look like you know things you always like, fuck up diablo somehow and it's a mobile game now so obviously that's, the obvious answer is there right um but you know it's things like have call of duty like having season like passes right but if call of duty has like a season pass that, those are things that people invest in they want those season passes it isn't necessarily people buying overwatch loot boxes it's the other parts of it you know i and i'm not trying but i'm not sitting here on my high horse and saying like overwatch is better than everybody else but it is very apparent that the way that jeff kaplan handles the overwatch team is different than the way that everybody else within blizzard is handled the way you receive loot boxes in overwatch it feels beneficial to the player but whenever you look at the amount of items that are now in the game, and if you are doing a specific event that are also now event plus world drops, yeah. unless hopefully they, I think sometimes they separate them, yeah. your chance of getting anything remotely what you want without spending money hmm. is now nearly impossible unless you With the exception. constantly play that game. Oh yeah, but there's the in-game currency that you do earn by playing the game yeah. that you can use to buy the items that you specifically yes. want. In that case, which is one thing that I like, but it feels like you, I don't get it often enough. And yeah, I'm talking I'm about sure. whenever I was playing Overwatch, you sure. know, like three or four hours a day for like a couple of weeks, like 
week or month or so. And yeah. I was really into Overwatch a while back. Yeah. And then for those three then, days, you were really into Overwatch. And then the other, and then a couple of weeks ago, when I was still playing Overwatch, and then I kind of want to play Overwatch again tonight. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Destiny's fun. I just need. To, I want to do more pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, we're all pissed off about Bobby Kotick. Yeah, he should not yeah. be making the money that yeah, he does. Fuck that guy. Can we? I would love to get to a day where we mention Blizzard in the news, and it's a happy thing. But today is not that fucking day. But to end things on a high note, Amazon has built a list for uh, Women's History Month called "Devilish Dames and Scream Queens," highlighting some of the best female-fronted horror out there. Uh, they actually put on a little compilation video about it. I'd recommend checking it out. It's called Devilish Dames and Scream Queens. There's some really great stuff on there. Uh, it isn't just like, oh, here's Scream because it's a female-led uh, movie. We're talking about like female directors, um, female Ooh, writers. I Jennifer's Body's on there. I'm pretty sure it might be. Also, people need to watch Jennifer's Body. It it's an, not the movie you think it is. It's, it's an really underappreciated good. classic. It's really, really good. I'm really happy to try and get more people to watch that. I'd- it's gotten a cult <laughs> following in the m- most recent years. And it's well-deserved. Yeah. Well-deserved. It was marketed poorly and it had a very intelligent, uh, amazing writer behind it. I can't remember her name right now, but she was the writer that our director of Juno that did, um, yeah. Jennifer's body. And it was just mismanaged, misadvertised. It is definitely a strong feminist horror movie. And I do highly recommend it. Actor's not here. I can't remember things. Good. <laughs> All right. That is everything that we have for the news this week. We are going to take a small break. And when we come back, we'll be going into our main news, uh, main segment in the boss room. Boss room. Hey, adventures. Welcome back to the show. This is our boss room, our main talking point for the podcast. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week, we are joined virtually with a guest. Our guest, please introduce yourself and tell the audience your qualifications for being in our very special boss room. Oh, well, hello there. My name is Steven Cruz, also known as Brooklyn, and I've been involved in competitive fighting games as a competitor for about 11 years now. So the reason that we have a special guest this week is that Sony announced just hours before we recorded this episode that they have acquired the largest fighting game tournament, Evo, and that the Digital Evo event will be held uh, August 6th through 8th and August 13th through 15th. Now, it's important to note that the 2020 Evo event was canceled after abuse allegations against one of the organizers uh, came uh, came to light. And NetherRealm Studios and Capcom pulled out from Evo 2020, effectively removing Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter from their roster. Uh, Sony came out this week with, during the announcement of acquiring Evo and said that they really want to break down barriers for gamers so that they can compete at all levels of the sport. And uh, they also went on to reaffirm a commitment to creating a very safe and inclusive environment for players. So before we get into the announcement itself, I want to dive into the history of fighting game tournaments. And I figured there's no better person to ask than our, our special guest, Brooklyn. <laughs> uh thank you well so you know fighting games as a genre has always been involved in my life and although i said 11 years of official competition don't get it twisted when i say i'm still proud of my first place prize of a 50 dollars funko land card <laughs> back in 1999 for street fighter 3 third strike arcade cabinets. wow like that's that's how far back this has influenced my life mm-hmm. and 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 if What's so interesting about finding in tournaments is that they were, for the most part, bred by the community. 
it, it's not like a developer uh, came to an event, came to town, brandished their game and say, hey, take a look at this. Any entrants want to compete? It didn't start off like that. For fighting games, it was more like, okay, I beat my brother. I'm the best in the house. Okay, I beat my friends. I'm the best in the block. Hey, why don't we go to that laundromat and go to that arcade cabinet and, and see who else I can I can square up with. You know, I, and then it, I completely relate to that because that's how I got my start in fighting games. Because when <laughs> you and I, when you and I first met, the first thing that we talked about was fighting games. And I, and, I, I believe I just want to interject, and I believe the first thing we did together at a friend's at a mutual friend's wedding was watch a stream later that night of Ultra Street Fighter Four. So <laughs> we, we absolutely <laughs> did do that. The, we we got to imagine you have to picture it. There's an entire wedding going on around us. It's we're all partying late into the night, and Brooklyn and I are laying on the floor on the on our phones just watching street fighter like evo replays and for me but the, the the story that you speak there is, is really what speaks to me because i was that person who you know beat the friends in the household and then it was you know being the best on the block and then going through that and i remember we had those dreams this is before you competed we had those dreams laying there on that floor saying like someday we're going to make it to evo and you did and you've won like it's absolutely <laughs> crazy um so yeah, it's a very homegrown experience and that fighting game tournaments like Evo didn't just come into reality because somebody just said, hey, let's make Evo. If I remember correctly, all the tournaments were local. Like here in Austin, you'd have like arcade UFO tournaments or something like that. Oh, yeah. And so I guess I should start with the start of Evo is actually called Battle by the Bay in mm -hmm. California. And I, I want to say it was 2002 when it started off. And that was just brought about by really passionate players mm -hmm. like if 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 you want if i want to make an analog for fighting game tournaments it is it is a series of family reunions where in essence a different relative is hosting the whole family in a different state mm -hmm. so that that arcade ufo just happens to be your family reunion and then we're all and and the thing is the experience is not brought about by the big developer or or the biggest hottest game the experience is brought about by the personality of the attendees the family the competitors mm -hmm. and and they're bringing their food aka their playing styles and everyone's tasting each other's food and and that's kind of what it feels like and it's so strange to think that in a world where online play is so prevalent we still are just chomping at the bit for the day that we can go to a live in-person Evo. We're like, we need the pandemic to be over because fighting game tournaments, they're great online, but there's something to be said about the energy level of going to an event like Evo. Now, I've, I've only competed in local tournaments. So there was, a, there was a Japanese arcade in Houston I used to go to called Planet Anime. And that's where I did like Blaze Blue tournaments and Street mm -hmm. Fighter tournaments. And that was always great, but it was always that dream in the back of my head. Like someday I'm going to make it to Evo. And something that I've always personally thought about the fighting game community is that even though I've never made it to Evo, I've always surrounded myself with other members of the fighting game community. And I think that word community is the most important thing because in, a, in an age where there's so many toxic games out there that one can play, I've heard nothing but people praise going to events like Evo. They're like, when it's, it's like the Olive Garden, right? It's when you're there, you're family. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, I, 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 there's there's so many things with respect to fighting games that are almost like 
a, a family reunion cookout or a restaurant, attending a restaurant, a big party. And, and it's but what really sets us apart is that, you know, with other games now, say like a, a, a RTS or a, a shooter game where a lot of their online infrastructure is well enough to work to have online tournaments. And sometimes you'll have those, you know, five on five live appearance StarCraft tournaments and, and obviously uh, the big League of Legends tournaments end up being that way but i think uh for fighting games like if if you really think about it the very first tournament was probably a full arcade cabinet lined up with like 50 people behind the two players that are playing the arcade cabinet that actually had to put a quarter in we're Mm -hmm. not even talking about consoles yet but it's the cabinets that actually you needed to bring people together for that and so in 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 this acquisition, um, I guess we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But th- there are some good and definitely some troubling aspects that that I have mm-hmm. that uh, we'll be discussing a little bit later in the show. Okay, so Sony's partnered up with RTS for the purchase of Evo. Um, what do we actually know about this uh, uh, this company RTS that they're they're teaming up with for the acquisition? So I think with. Um, everyone's glaring eyes at the headline today and um i i just want to say that i believe i broke this news to you in in that i told you without naming any names or titles that the person that broke this story to me was an employee of a game development company owned by microsoft Mm -hmm. so if you really think about it that shockwave hit there came to me it was like whoa yeah you, they, be big... they heard about this before you did <laughs> and it was like okay interesting and and a lot of people's eyes are going to go to sony interactive entertainment mm-hmm. but what a lot of people are not looking into is the other entity that's involved that's rts which i don't believe i know the acronym for but it seems to be a venture off of an organization called endeavor esports and their former senior vice president stuart saw is now the CEO of RTS. So some of the things that they like to do, um, they like to do, they they say they have expertise in esports event management, branded developer consulting, game talent management. And those are all titles and, and types of engagement I've heard before. Mm-hmm. But there's one that really stands out. And I saw this on uh, Endeavor Esports, and I'm thinking they're going to bring this to RTS. One of their claims to expertise is something called league development. Okay. And to me, that says a lot more about Sony and RTS's intentions because you don't get a league developer for a three-day event once a year. Right, right. You're talking you, about you, – you're, you're branding – you're, you're making a brand at that point, right? It, 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 there's a lot of implications that could be made. Um, I guess if I want to start implication number one, that very similarly to how Evo sort of branched out to Evo Japan, mm-hmm. I want to say two and three years ago, having two events a year, we might, we might see Evo Europe. We might see a branch of Evo US West, Evo US East, mm-hmm. Evo NA of sorts. It may not exactly be branded like that, but if you're talking about league development and 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 collecting a point standing and things like that, I I think there's there's a lot more to this just one biggest see, fighting see, game tournament. What, what you're describing right now has two thoughts in my head. 
One is just the Street Fighter Two world map poster, and whenever they go somewhere, <laughs> that's where they fly to. Japan. <laughs> and the second, to me, says career. Right? When you say league, yeah. you're talking about you take a personality. Let's say Sonic Fox, right? Won the Mortal Kombat tournament in 2019. You take a person personality like Sonic Fox and say, hey, we're going to give you a $75,000 contract and your job is now to fly around the world at these tournaments and compete. And your job is to be the best. Yeah. Uh, well, if you really think about it, some, you know, esports teams already operate some way in that fashion. But I guess the only difference is that esports teams kind of buy in their spot. Mm -hmm. um if i'm saying that correctly like kind of how um overwatch league has open spots oh a team has acquired a spot so now they're a part of that league and they have that overwatch division so on and so forth um what's different about what's always been great about fighting game tournaments is that it's always been an open tournament mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're the best in the world or if i just met you down the street mm -hmm. if you got 10 bucks you can enter Mm -hmm. you can enter your local and give it a shot and see what, what goes on from there. Um, thinking about this RTS involvement and, and making this a league, what comes to my mind is, hmm, okay, if, if we want to go back to that uh, family reunion aspect, all right, everyone in the family is invited. But now that <clears throat> now, now the host is no longer cooking the food, now the host is catering this party with a three-star Michelin restaurant, and maybe I'll bring my top 200 favorite relatives to eat instead, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so there, there, there could be some consequences to this, mm -hmm. but I, I will say the, the more eyes that are being turned to this, which this headline did, the better it is for fighting games in general and for fighting game competition to grow. Oh, as we are recording this right now, because this news just dropped, like, the internet is flipping out about this and it's not just the fighting game community. Cause like you said, the news was broken to you by somebody who's not technically in the fighting game community the way that you are. Correct. And like the fact that it's making these kind of shockwaves has serious implications and we should kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Like, because this is a really bold move for Sony entertainment to buy a, the world's largest fighting game tournament. Like, do we think that other companies like Microsoft or Nintendo or whoever may do something like this as well, where they start their own cup and, and buy out uh, maybe smaller tournaments to try and grow and foster those. Because I know that we've been talking in over the last few God years at this point about the acquisitions that Sony and, and Nintendo and Microsoft are making by pur purchasing publishers and how the kind of new arms race is like, Oh, I'm going to buy these development studios. So I have more first party titles. But by Sony buying a f the world's largest fighting game tournament, they're drawing a line in the sand. Like Microsoft's going to have to either choose to fight or flee at this point. Yeah. So I, you know, in some ways, this acquisition doesn't surprise me too much because I, I guess let let's let me fill you in a little bit of it's both personal and more fighting game history as well. But <clears throat> for the most part. In my years attending tournaments, I will say that the preferred console, not in all instances, because I believe the fight between PS3 and Xbox 360, it was mostly 
Xbox 360 thriving because mm. of uh, they had a little bit better online infrastructure at that time for online gaming. Well, it was better. PS3. It was better infrastructure, and it was easier to program for. I mean, yeah. I got my copy of Street Fighter Four ex- on the Xbox 360. Yeah, me as well. I actually that was my first purchase. Mm. But other mm. other than that anomaly, the the preferred console that most that most tournaments used were playstations and the reason was well a lot of these popular fighting games franchises you want to talk about street fighter tekken um now guilty gears in there blaze blue starting to make a ruckus a lot of them were japanese developed Mm -hmm. and and if you think about it back in the 2000s and even the 90s well of, of course the japanese developers will probably focus on their country's flagship console yeah absolutely and 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 so i like the the only time i've ever seen guilty gear on an xbox was like guilty gear accent core there was definitely one as 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 a uh xbox live arcade edition late into its life cycle it's like i think there was one on like the original xbox i want to say something like that and it's just it, it it was really and and plus if you want to really dig deep like i think the actual hardware was a lot thinner and lighter for transport for these tournaments too uh, right. i'm talking like ps2 ps3 ps2 slims mm-hmm. so they kind of had an edge within our community in that sense like oh we can just get all the games in ps2 and maybe one two games here or there will require a section of, of xboxes here or there but it, to me, that was um, stage one, right? That was that was uh, in, that was infiltration into the fighting game community, mm-hmm. and then things got a little bit uh, more worldwide. So the next the next step would be, okay, Street Fighter Five is starting to get rumbles, and we're starting to hear uh, development going on. When Street Fighter Five was revealed. One of the biggest mark biggest marketing things was that it is PlayStation exclusive, and it's like, oh, that that, that was actually a turn where we're coming from a place where we're playing Ultra Street Fighter Four on Xbox 360s, and we're now thinking about the next generation of the Xbox One and the PS4. Sony and Sony Entertainment they they decided, okay, let's let's put our second hand into this. Let's Let's fight a little more. Let's take this. And they became the console exclusive, you know, along with PC. But I, there there are more players on PlayStation 4 initially than on PC. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was step two. And to me, this is just like a big step three. That What happened today was just... Um, I, I, so, so again... not, not to, not to, um, not to pun, be punny here, but you do feel like this is a natural evolution of how fighting games were being handled because there is, there is the elephant in the room. That's like, what's going to happen to PC fighting games. Yeah. So from, from what I understand earlier and which we talked about there, uh, Mark man, who's, uh, one of the, uh, brand, uh, developers and organizers, uh, for Evo had mentioned that they're, they're still including, you know, um, PC crossplay for titles that can be played and such. And, and I think, initially that that will happen because mm-hmm. we we don't want to create division now we've got so many fighting game players growing and and getting into this that we we now don't want to create exclusivity now mm-hmm. 
but as t- as time moves forward, it 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 could stray that way. What what does that mean for 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 Microsoft? Like, for instance, um, there's there is a tournament called Combo Breaker. Mm-hmm. Now, if we know Combo Breaker is actually a reference to the voice line Combo Breaker from the old school fighting game Killer Instinct, which got a uh, a remake in 2013 exclusively for Xbox One, Microsoft. And it is now under the possession of Microsoft. So this this feels like the domino effect. Like, will, will Microsoft just buy Combo Breaker series? Right. In part in partnership with another league development brand? Like some things could happen. And and I feel it, we could be seeing a tip for tat mm-hmm. fairly soon within these years. Yeah, and I mean, that kind of raises a lot of questions because, I mean, like, there's a lot of first-party fighting games that do compete at EVO. I mean, we're talking about things like Super Smash Bros., Killer Instinct. Um, I mean, do you think this is the nail in the coffin for them, or do you think Sony's willing to play ball and be friendly about it? And if they're willing to play ball, do you think other companies are willing to step into that space? Is Nintendo willing to go, yeah, we'll totally have Smash Bros. at a Sony-branded event? So I I wouldn't say it'd be a nail in the coffin to the game in particular because in, in the big picture, you know, tor- tournaments will always exist, but a game's community ship, the the membership, will always stay the same, right? Mm-hmm. Smash Brothers Ultimate could not be at Evo, but guess what? That game still sold twenty two million copies, and people are still playing it. That game is <laughs> absolutely true. not dead. Yeah, it, uh, by any means, there is a player base. It's just N- Nintendo's also tricky too, because as Sony and Microsoft are kind of embracing esports and and the collection of talent for their games, Nintendo has kind of been the opposite. They they you know they've kind of stepped away from the Super Smash Brothers melee competitive scene. They don't even seem like they it doesn't even seem like they understand Smash Brothers being at Evo to me. It it's so I think one of the funnier aspects of uh, us talking about Nintendo and and their willingness to to put a stake in fighting games is Evo Japan, the latest Evo Japan. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of the prize pools for games like Street Fighter 5 um Guilty Gear, Tekken 7. They were in combination to $250,000, both provided as a, um, you know, the base uh, prize pool funded by the players and a large portion of the money coming from developers. And what did the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate first place winner win from Nintendo? An official Switch Pro Controller with a customized plate on it. Holy shit. And when i saw that live mm-hmm. i saw that live and and i can only hurt i can only hurt for that kid you know because... what you know what makes me kind of sad about that is that and i know i've said this on the show before but you know for years i was kind of a fighting game snob and i was like smash brothers is like baby's fighting game for babies but then i got around to actually giving it a chance and watching it at evo and, you know, I really did wake up and I ate some crow on that. I was like, holy crap, this is actually a very technical game that has very technical players that really do pour their heart and soul into the game that they're playing for. The problem is, is that when Nintendo just gives out a controller as your first place prize, you then reinforce the stereotype that this is baby's first fighting game. Yeah, I mean, 
that all goes back into the history of Smash and, and Sakurai intending that game to be a party game. Um, what's funny is that as develop it, development is going on for Smash Brothers Ultimate DLC characters, in a lot of the showcase, he, he does um, uh, videos showcasing new characters and their moves. With each incoming character, his the lingo of fighting games keeps appearing in these videos. So what what was first was don't even talk about fighting games. The last video he discussed frame data of an attack of a new character, which is and he which made, is pretty high level. Yeah, you know when it comes to learning about a fighting game, that's a that's a high level thing to discuss. And and and, and Sakurai, uh, the developer of Super Smash Brothers, actually grew up playing King of Fighters video games and arcades, and he loves fighting games. But what that tells me is that. What Nintendo's involvement is in, in the esports aspect may not be coming down from him. It's probably coming from higher up, and you know. So you, so you think he actually wants to get technical? That he wants to make a technical fighting game, and Nintendo's kind of reeling him in, being like, "It, eh, this is supposed to be accessible for everybody. Frame data, <laughs> frame data is not an accessible term." Yeah, but you know what? He 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 said those terms. He made light of it, and even in the video itself, he said, "Oh." I shouldn't be mentioning those things a little too technical for this bit. So he kind of like, uh, gassed you up. Ah, it's a joke, but really you heard me. Mm -hmm. I said, this is minus two on block. Now everyone watching that video is like, what's going, what's that mean? Mm -hmm. And then, and then that's how growth happens. Yeah. And it's just interesting how that it turned out. But for, for some reason, I think Nintendo will double back away. They, I, I actually think this news They'd be like, ah, oh, at least someone is doing it. Now no one has to ask us to do it. But again, that's my personal opinion. Right. Because I would think that it would be in Sony's best interest to open the doors for everybody. And of course, we've long rallied on the podcast saying, like, you know, make cross-play just available across platforms and across, you know, PC to whatever. Um, we want everybody, we want gamers to experience games together. Um and maybe it's just me having this Gene Roddenberry vision of the future for fighting games where I just imagine Sony going, no, we're not banning anybody from our tournaments. If Smash wants to show up, please show up and let's all play in the same playground. Yeah, like like I say, I, I think for this year, you uh, there's going to be nothing but inclusivity. And uh, again, I haven't seen what the games list could be for uh, EVA Online 2021. But not only could it be dependent on, you know, what developer it is, but you also got to think about because this one's online, they're choosing games that have better online architecture than most. Right. Which, I mean, that's, that's going to be very important for this year, right? Yeah. That, if you want to talk about online infrastructure of netcode, of delay-based netcode versus rollback, that's another show entirely. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I could put a dollar to say that that's probably part of the decision of what games are going to be appearing this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely, I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, we know that games like Guilty Gear are obviously going to be there. Uh, I think that they did say Mortal Kombat's going to have a presence. That Street Fighter might have a presence. We haven't gotten the official list, but we've gotten the the big names will be there. Now it's figuring out what the rest are at this point. Yeah, and it's even surprising to me that Mortal Kombat 11, which is an American-developed fighting game, is a part of it. But mm-hmm. it, it did sell well. I think it was one of the highest-selling games of the year it came out, I want to say 2019, possibly tying with the, the Call of Duty, mm-hmm. Black Ops 4 that year, or whichever one it was released. But 
it was very popular and you know a lot of that was based on the the branding everyone no, you know it's good over here yeah but oh. I, but i've noticed it has a big international presence because secretly in the back end i'm working on a, on a tournament thing but i had to do a lot of study of mortal Kombat recently and yeah. i was sitting there watching a bunch of twitch and i noticed like during normal american business hours i wasn't seeing a lot of mortal Kombat. But later in the night, I would go over to like a Brazilian channel and there would be like all these Brazilian followers like watching this one person play like Mortal Kombat. So mm -hmm. it's definitely still has a presence. It just doesn't have the same presence that you know, we think of when we think of like a Street Fighter or uh, well, definitely Guilty Gear when that was in its beta. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, what you'll come to realize is that when you're watching that, those commentators – the, the, that's part of the community that's not that's not nether realm commentating mm -hmm. those those are former players they're probably still players they just happen to be heads of the community of that particular part of the country and and, and is, are willing to put in their efforts for the expansion of this game which like you said looks like it's happening because i think i actually saw a stream of mortal Kombat 11 uh championships eu west eu east so they're branching and it's mm -hmm. getting great and and i think that touches up on a, a something that i do want to talk about in terms of community relationship the the way tournaments are and i'm going to go back to the analogy of the um family reunion right so if you think about you think about the the the, the family member that hosts this this beautiful event well that family member used to be a kid too, right? The 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 elder is hosting the event. Used to be a kid and took part in 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 family reunions that were hosted by their elders back in the day. And so that that kind of that kind of cycle happens. And so you have your your elder, the tournament organizer, mm -hmm. and then you got the rest of the family, the players, the 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 spectators. Um, I tell you what. It, for, for what's happening now is that these events they're not just for the people playing these are conventions now mm -hmm. there is an artist alley there are food vendors there are developer booths that didn't exist in evo 2002 mm -hmm. that didn't exist in evo 2010 mm -hmm. uh up until mad cats started to do a partnership with street fighter for peripherals and fight mm -hmm. sticks so that just came about. But what's interesting is that with all those um, Mad Cat's inclusions and these little, you know, restaurants and pop-ups and artist alley, that it was always community first. Mm -hmm. um, the players are oftentimes the one who who open up the booths. Um, every, every time you sign up for a, a tournament, you're actually given a volunteer form to see if you can run brackets for a time where you're not playing and that's, that's kind of like it's kind of you, you, when you come you come for the intent to consume but you're also you're gonna give mm -hmm. and that's kind and, and that's kind of the culture it has and um it's it's something that's to me it's irreplaceable and so when a major entity is buying an entire series a lot of legacy players could be looking at this and say well how does this feel familial to me? 
Right. I could see that because I've got friends. I I had a friend who exclusively for years made his living basically at Evo. He would show up. He was there to fix and mod fight sticks. Ah, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I believe I sent you a picture in 2016 when I met with your buddy. (laughs) Yeah, and I've known him for years and he made his living basically at Evo. You know, what does it mean for him who is like – the everyman who didn't have to pay much for a booth, right? Originally, because Evo just didn't pay. It, it wasn't expensive to get a booth at Evo, but he could go there, buy it on the cheap, set up shop, and make a year's worth of revenue in that one weekend. But now we have, let's just call it our corporate overlord, Sony, now mm-hmm. owns this this fighting game community. What part of that feels like family when the corporate flag is hanging over you like that? Yeah, I think that's going to be dependent on uh, the remaining the remaining people that were associated with Evo. If you want to talk about the Cannon Brothers and and um, and Mark Man, especially because he he was definitely that face between uh, interaction and branding between developer between bigwig companies and the fans, and right. and so I think that needs to continue and. So, you know, one of the positives is that this is going to breed more jobs for a lot of people that are interested in this type of thing. Um, I will say, uh, just like a sneaking suspicion, uh, I I think a lot of or, uh, esports organizations that never had any affiliation with fighting games will start a fighting game division. That's probably, so. I, I'm probably going to, that's hot take number one, if mm-hmm. I ever make one in the show is that don't be surprised if if some organizations that were solely based on on uh, Call of Duty or solely based on League of Legends mm-hmm. decides to branch off and have a fighting game division which needs uh talent management which mm-hmm. needs player development managers and i in in many respects this is a good thing and and this could possibly because bigger money may be in store. And yeah, that kind of leads into my next question, right? Because we have the acquisition of Evo by Sony and we know that Sony's got money, right? You know, I mean, they don't have like Disney money, but they got some pretty good money. Do you think that, that Sony being the head of Evo now is going to bring in bigger numbers pot wise when it comes to, you know, placing first at street fighter or something like that. Because from what I understand, and and please educate me a little bit on this, but Evo it's payouts are based just basically on the people showing up. And then maybe if the company like Capcom wants to put in a little bit into the pool as well, they will do that out of the kindness of their heart. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's correct. And I'm actually going to throw out some numbers out there for you okay. and you might need to help me out with this because I don't particularly remember some prize spots or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm trying to get a little bit more familiar with league of legends and, and, or, or Dota and the international and the finals and such. Well, you can't even um, compare anything to the internationals because the international is like three to $10 million a year. Right. So I want to say that the international last year, let's let's just call it eight figures. Let's right. say 10 to 20 million dollars was the prize pool for the international for last year alone. The total prize pool for Evo in its inception from 2002 to last year is one point eight million dollars. Wow. That's all Evo's all time prize pool. And so, correct. A, a lot of the way, you know, the, the, inter- the living. Inter- the international, by the way, was something like thirty-four million dollars. Okay, so even there, you go. And 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 so, 
Yeah, so when when you, when you enter Evo, you can enter in a lot of different ways. If you're sponsored by a team, obviously the spon- your sponsor will make accommodations for you and you obviously don't have to provide any money for a prize pool. Mm-hmm. Your big tops, you know, I, I don't I don't want to, you know, speak myself up, but I was sponsored for a time and I didn't have to pay for it, so that was great. You got to go to um, Japan, right? Yeah, I got yeah, I got to I got to go to Evo Japan play Tekken 7 for a little bit and uh, as a sponsor and that was pretty dope. But any anyone can enter. Um Tony could enter with 50 bucks and a and a real good uppercut. He can do it. <laughs> I I, I want to see you sponsor Tony and do a fighting game tournament now. Oh, I I could I could get I could get him to be platinum in any rank <laughs> in any fighting game easily. And and so yeah, a lot of it is community provided which speaks to its humble beginnings its foundation we made this happen therefore our collective efforts are what are what we're going to behold when we come together and celebrate and 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 then you'll get some um developer support and that's that's always appreciated Mm. you know it doesn't need to happen but when you see a developer put in twenty five thousand dollars versus epic putting putting like millions in a Fortnite tournament it's it's right. got to be like it, it 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 leaves most dumbfounded um particularly those that want to make a living out of this but uh, you know don't be fooled in that a lot of the populace that goes to these tournaments treat it like a reunion and they're not there to make money they're there to see family they're there mm-hmm. to enjoy themselves right in order to make uh quite a living it's you got to be top one percent you got to be the top point zero one percent like point one you got to be sonic fox at that point you got you got to be hungry box you got to be tokido you you got to be a legend yeah justin wong you got to be one of them (laughs) you got to be one of those guys to be able to pull that off so and it's really so interesting to think about that because i watch things like the overwatch league where the prize pool is so much or the dota international where the prize pool is so much in that and yet i think about fighting games and these are people who dedicate as much if not more time to their craft right the craft of fighting games and they spend hours right like i I was talking to you about what your ritual was before you play a fighting game online you're like well i spend this many hours in the training room and then i spend this many hours just like playing against ai and then then maybe for an hour or two a day i play against other people and like you know it was a full-time job for you and it's the same way for people that are in the Overwatch League. Obviously, all of them are playing Overwatch all of the time. But at the same time, they're being given, you know, $75,000 a year contracts. You were you working a full-time job and doing this. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't really want to disclose contracts, but sure. I, I, did, I did have a a yearly salary mm-hmm. uh with that with uh, an organization and you know it was it, it was not my normal job it, it was like but what what i took it as is um they're paying for flights they're paying for a hotel food that's great and then i'm using my time off to go to a tournament my my pay time off for my day job to go to a tournament and travel kind of felt like oh this is a vacation i don't have to pay for and I might with some a little bit of cash money off of this, right? And yeah. so, depending on how you place, it, it, it's it's either a, a success or a failure. And a lot of times, in order to meet success, you have to make top 
four, top eight, mm-hmm. top 16, depending on the tournament you're going to. But now the name of the game has changed because now we have the corporate overlord. Like <laughs> We could potentially be seeing giant prize pools now. We could be seeing giant prize pools, but that could be inverse. Those prize pools can be inversely proportional to the open format of the tournament. Like I had mentioned before, maybe this money will exclusively be available to the top 200 players in the world that are ranked nationally by whatever point standing, whatever, whatever RTS decides to develop. Like we, we still don't know that aspect of it yet. Um, and, and that's one of the things I am afraid of is that you kind of lose those base roots of family, that, that, that family reunion sense. And it's right. no when, longer when, open. When, and when now money gets involved. Right. I, yeah. I can see that. And, and so, you know, the, I could definitely see a, a lot of good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely more eyes. Um, branding branding's going to be top notch. Now I'm going to be looking forward to watching Evo because you know there's going to be some dope Sony exclusive announcements. Like there there's a there's a lot of momentum here. But at the same time where the fighting game player came from and and where they're going to right now like it, it you know new, new players are being born every day and and I've seen some like 16-year-old prodigies and obviously they didn't they, they may not have grown up in arcades. They may have grown up. I know people who play so well that only played online on a console. And that's, yeah. that has probably, been their training. Probably grew up with their dad's fight stick. Or something. Mm-hmm. But, and the, the, and, and then they, they come, they come to their own and then finally see that, oh, when I, when I'm with people, when I'm here, they then get that family sense. And, and they, they sort of know where we come from. And then we 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 get we become closer, yeah. so the, the new crowd and the legacy crowd kind of kind of really nice like that. What does that mean for future events with potentially prize having big prize pools or having restricted attendance? Having it's 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 definitely something to think about. Believe me, this is this is great news. But you know, I, I'm thinking pensively ahead because. Again, there's a lot. There's a lot of entities' um, toes that may be stepped on mm-hmm. as this progressive as um, this progresses. And one example I do want to give you, and and I think no one has thought about until I actually just thought about it like five seconds ago. Um, have you ever er, have you ever heard of Smash GG? Um, is isn't that just where the local community gets together to uh, organize tournaments? It so it it is a uh a self-service esports platform where you can create events and create and and it is one of the most prevalent bracket management uh tools mm-hmm. that the fighting game community uses like i i believe we talked a few weeks ago about um organization and i talked to you about how brackets work mm-hmm. what a what a double elimination looks like in top four versus what a single elimination looks like those tools are made available on smash gg when you make an event so all of that work is kind of done for you, and you're just clicking these options. And it's just available well, for free, right? It is. It is free, and it is. It is the go-to for fighting game organizers. So, guess mm-hmm. what? Microsoft acquired them in December of 2020. What does that oh, mean for? Oh. What does that mean for bracketology for Evo now? Right now, now there's going to be a reliance probably 
on on someone else probably on rts probably probably a different venture from endeavor esports or a different uh venture from a self-service esports. i don't know i would love to believe again that's that idea that microsoft's like we'll give you smash.gg for your tournament organization but you get to put killer instinct in your tournament and i'm like you know what that's great Come to an agreement. One, Shake hands. one would hope. Yeah. One would hope, and I would definitely love that because that in itself, that that that's what family is. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't like them, right. but you will go to their graduation when they get their diploma. You know, right. it's like <laughs> it is that reaching across the aisle that we're so hopeful for. Yeah. Point. You know, to to kind of as as we start to wind down a little bit, I know that we've been talking a lot about what is what kind of big money can come to esports, but you kind of touched on something there that like having large prize pools does kind of create not for everybody, but for certain people, kind of a cult of personality. Um, These larger than life people um, bless his heart. Sonic Fox does not have a big head and he absolutely should because Holy fucking shit. He's good. Um, (laughs) He's he's amazing. Yeah. But like it can, it could create that kind of cult of personality, but because Evo is something that from the beginning had very humble roots. I think that's something that will keep it in check because even if ego, uh, even if Evo goes on to be this egotistical arms race, I think that we'll still have our homegrown tournaments like our, you know, arcade UFOs. Uh, y'all up there have the battle for the North, I believe is the name of it. Um, like, there's... yeah. Uh, so New York city has defended North. That's, defend that has North. been our New York city uh, major tournament here. Right. So I yeah. think that, in the unfortunate event that ego gets too big, that Evo's ego gets too big for its britches, we will still have these local tournaments that will still bring that sense of family, uh, that that Corona vibe as Vin Diesel would bring to it. Uh, that we'll always have that for those of us in the fighting game community that that go to fighting game tournaments not necessarily to win, but to be around the people that we care about. Absolutely. Uh, uh, You know, and at the end of the day, I I can I could personally tell you that any big moneymaker fighting game competitor still loves to just chill out on a Saturday afternoon and play a session, not for money, but just play a session with his homie for fun to learn and to talk. Because that that in itself is a communication between each other, and, so, and that's that's not going to stop. I, I would definitely say that uh, you and I both played the Guilty Year Strive beta, and out of the multitude of hours that I poured into the beta, playing it by myself, playing it online, mm-hmm. the most fun that I had was sitting in a Discord room with you and talking strategy while we just played the game together. Like it was just and, and, that was so much fun. <laughs> And that was just the tip of the iceberg because the the way I play things, I could I could I could have a whole hour discussion why why Ramothal's light punch is probably the most important button in the entire game, right? <laughs> and it's just like it 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 just breeds this this you want to be a teacher, but then I'm always going to be a student because I'm always learning. And no matter how old you are, how legacy you feel, how good you think you are, someone's going to blow you up. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to beat you up in that game, and it's going to make you be like, oh man, what's the next step here? Oh yeah. Let me con- let me converse with some friends. Let's brainstorm. Let's learn together. Let's solve this puzzle. Let's oh, move to the oh, next level. In fighting games, you have an equal chance of being beaten by a sixteen-year-old and like by Justin Wong. Like it's and, just... and that's that's always been what open tournaments have been about. Sometimes the killers are killers because they're consistent. Yeah. But then you're gonna have that that one eleven-year-old in Evo twenty thirteen or Marvel vs. Capcom three that beat two killers you could probably look that up on youtube i i, I failed to remember his name mm. 
but but he he just took out two sponsored players and it's this kid that was taken there by his dad because his dad saw the passion that this kid had and he beat two sponsored players at the age of 11 you'll see the whole crowd cheering on this kid and i think moments like that um will you know unfortunately might maybe subdued depending on how this um league organization or or whatever this acquisition means in the future yeah but uh, like you had mentioned before on a local level we can still have that and, and that makes me happy and i guess the one one final thing i will be looking for after uh, as time goes on after this acquisition i would like to see the personnel that that may be hired onto rts i, I i'm looking for community figures that have been a part of us hopefully have opportunities to be a part of this league development because only because they know it the best and and it is my hope that if if sony and rts really want to keep this in a very communal fashion Mm -hmm. that they give that opportunity to develop a league with people that grew it from arcade cabinets in 1990s you You, you want the people that are part of the community to help grow the community i I, i'm i'm not saying you need to hire me rts but (laughs) i'm just saying i know a thing or two from the past and um yeah no uh, in in all seriousness i would love to see some names that that i knew in in my years of competition be a part of this growth and 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 steer the ship right not Mm -hmm. not steer sorry not steer the ship but correct the ship for the captain in case they go astray yeah i completely agree we have to start winding down we are coming to time here brooklyn you know that i love you and i just have one hard-hitting question for you before we wrap up our boss room and that is it is a well-known fact that you have retired from going to evo oh god does this announcement breaking news with sony's acquisition of evo mean that you're coming out of retirement so you may have you may have seen my joke on Facebook where I said, "Oh, COVID out of retirement." But if if I have to be honest about something, uh, the amount of time and effort I would need to stay competitive with the younger player right now mm-hmm. is not something that I that I would like to allot at my age right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 32. There are other things happening in my life that I kind of want to discover and see what else i'm good at mm-hmm. um i'm always gonna be i'm always gonna be watching mm-hmm. i'm always gonna be making scrub accounts and i'm always going to be beating that ass in guilty gear strive <laughs> but at the end of the day um i i i think the way the way i look at it i i this makes me so happy for the future mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm kind of in that boat where yeah i i I my first price prize in in 1999 was a funk fifty dollar Funko Land gift card, and you know why that's so appreciable to me? It's because that fifty dollars went into a ninety dollar uh, acquisition of Street Fighter Alpha Two for SNES, and wow. the rest is history. And the rest is absolutely history. There well, you, you did you did promise me the year that I decide that I actually do want to go to Evo that you will come out with me, and I'm holding you to that. Uh yeah, I mean w- let let's 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 make a timetable. Let's see what game you want to enter. Let's see how serious you want to take you, it. You can and... just you can just coach me, and it'll be a full Rocky situation. <laughs> I I would like to see how well you do. <laughs> All I right, Brooklyn, we got to sign off. But thank you so much for sticking with us. So thank you for coming out today, talking all about Evo. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Guys, it's it's a pleasure to be on the show. It as an avid listener, I always listen to 
your comic books and your movie under you guys are my source of entertainment so i just want to say thank you for making me for for giving me a part of this show that i watch every day it means a lot to me and uh you know i'm going to be shilling the show so uh <laughs> always and forever all right thank you so much brooklyn thank you all right, and that's everything that we have for the show this week. Thank you so much, Brooklyn, for coming on and being our guest. Um, we had a great time at least talking about Evo. The news was a little bit rough this week. If you have opinions about any of the things that we've talked about, um, especially concerning the big e Evo acquisition, Tony, where can they find us? Uh, Patreon.com slash The Surly Nerd. Um, you can... Joint, I don't know, Patreon it. Um, <laughs> Facebook.com slash the Silly Nerd at the Silly Nerds on Twitter. Um, input the Silly is our email address. The Silly is our website. And that's it. All right. Well, until yep. next week, for Tony, this is James. For James, this is Tony. Adventures, good night. And Hector's not here. <laughs>